Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 345. If you're listening to this podcast and you're interested in the car business, is to really pursue it. I think there's a lot of opportunities for people to do whatever you want to do. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. 2015 marks Covercraft's 50th anniversary. They've manufactured premium quality exterior and interior covers here in the United States with a reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit with over 80,000 patterns and growing. You can choose from dozens of fabric options and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicle. Made in the USA, Covercraft is the right choice. I've protected my special rides with their covers for over 40 years, and you should too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Steve Dorsey. Steve, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am buckled up and ready for a fun ride, Mark. Cool. Great to have you here. Steve Dorsey has been a professional auctioneer for over 20 years. He got his start in 1988 with Pacific Northwest-based Silver Auctions in the collector car auction business. As a licensed real estate broker working with two of the largest real estate auctioneering firms in the business, Auction.com and the Kennedy Wilson Group, he and his auctioneering crew are the premier auctioneering team of Portland's fundraising circuit, and they've helped to raise tens of millions of dollars through the state of Oregon. His work takes him throughout the Pacific Northwest, California, and Las Vegas, and as far away as New York and even into Canada. Steve, I told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share a little bit more about your career and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Well, Mark, uh, thank you. You know, I think I'm one of those lucky people that from an early age, I always knew I wanted to be in the automotive field. Um, It kind of took some twists and turns to get there, but ultimately I've made a career out of it. And one that I really enjoyed, I didn't plan on being an auctioneer, but (laughs) it was a set of circumstances that that kind of led me to that. I was always into, as a kid, um, you know, it was a young guy building models, and I raced go-karts with my dad. We had mini bikes, we had motorcycles, and the motorcycles uh, moved into uh, drag racing, and from drag racing, kind of an appreciation of muscle cars. Uh, And then from that point, I got a chance to do, uh, I actually, I went to college, and that's where I met Mitch, that kind of led me into the auction business, which was you know, we're involved with cars and it was kind of exciting and he invited me to join his company when it was starting and I got involved with that and ended up going to auctioneering school and, you know, from then on, I've been kind of addicted to it. I'm still still involved and I really love it. Very cool. Well, auctioneering is such a specific field and I've been to lots of car auctions, of course, all the, the big ones that happened during car week in, in Arizona during the month of January, I believe it is. And uh, it's always amazing to me to watch auctioneers work, work the crowd. You've got to really know people. You've got to be a great communicator and 
how on earth do you guys talk so fast? <laughs> most of the guys that you see that are working, you know, in Arizona or in Monterey week, most of those people have been at that for 30 or 40 years. It's, it's a long process to learn and it takes, it's one of the few businesses anymore where it really takes, you have to have a mentor. You have to have someone that helps you and confident in it. Cause when you, when you start, it's like anything else. It's really, it's virtually impossible to do on your own. So having someone and someone that's been in the business a little longer than you has some experience to help pull you along. And I had a chance with most of those guys that you see down and I've had a chance to work with most of them. All of them have helped me along too in my career. But you know, the interesting thing people want to know, well, how, how do you end up talking so fast? Basically teach you tongue twisters. That's how those guys, that's how you start as an auctioneer. <laughs> and most of them go to a two week school. And, you know, it's, and it, for me, it was one of the most, most fun two weeks I'd had. I really enjoyed the experience of going to auctioneering school. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. You know, one of my past guests, Wendy Martin, uh, recently went to auctioneering school and she said the same thing. She had a really great time, really fun time being with the people and learning how to project and how to bring information forward and, and talk really fast. And yeah, she said the same thing. There's kind of some ziggity ziggity do's that you throw in there because sometimes you listen to you guys and you're like, did he just say what I thought he said or what did he say? I don't know. It sounded good, but. Well, yeah. Well, in auctioneering, I mean, for a lot of people, that might be the first time that you really step outside your comfort zone. Uh, if you can't get outside of your comfort zone, you're not going to be successful as an auctioneer. And a lot of people go to auctioneering school. A lot of people try it. But it, if they if they can't really step out and push themselves, they just can't do it. And you, and you'll see that if you go to an auction, someone that's uncomfortable being up there. And there's probably nothing worse than, you know, going to an auction and watch someone that's nervous up there. And that's part of the process is you got to kind of fight your way through that nervousness. It's like stage fright. It's like being on stage. You, you've got to get through it. But once you get past it, that's probably one of the hardest parts I think people find when they try to do it is just the, is exposing you. You're vulnerable. And uh, if you can be with that kind of vulnerability, and kind of ride with it, yeah, you'll get through it. Yeah, it's all right. great, cool. Well, it looks like a lot of fun when you watch people who are doing it well and having a great time. So it's like taking candy from a baby sometimes. <laughs> As we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. It's something that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success along the way in your career. And it's a really great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So Steve, take the wheel. Well, this is from a quote, and I thought about that. I've been thinking about the last couple of days, but this is a quote from a gentleman. I don't remember what century he was, but he was a writer. And his quote is, every man loves what he is good at. And I think that all of us that are, have chosen careers, that's what makes the car business so fun because you're in people that love what they do. And I've never, quite frankly, ever been to an auction or a car show or a walked into a restoration shop and saw a very many unhappy people. Most of the people that do this, they love what they do. I mean, you go to the racetrack, everyone's like, unless they've had a bad experience is everyone's in a pretty good mood. You know, you go to Monterey week or you go out to the vintage car races. Everyone's happy. They're willing to talk to you. You walk into a body shop or maybe your car's getting worked on and they're doing work. Most of the guys that work on that are in a pretty good spirits. And so, yeah. and I've always felt that people in the car business are some of the most generous, genuine people that you're going to meet too. And uh, it's a lot of fun. It's really true. I hear that over and over again from my guests. And that's why I created Cars Yeah! was to let those folks out there that wish they were working in their field of passion, their vocation was in cars, that, hey, there are a lot of people out there doing all different kinds of things in their field of passion in cars like you. 
I've had several other auctioneers on the show as well. So there's lots of opportunities out there to have fun. And you're right. I've had many guests who've said that, you know, I just everyone I encounter is a great person. It's because we're doing what we love. Hey, there's a little clue for you out there. (laughs) Do what you love. I know you have have younger kids that are getting ready to go off to school, and I've got uh, a son in college, and uh, I told my kids their whole life is figure out what you love and pursue that and get really good at it, and uh, you'll be happy forevermore. So it's a fantastic idea. Would you share a story with me that instigated your passion for cars? You talked about growing up in a family with uh, mini bikes and go-karts and dirt bikes and then getting into drag racing. Oh, my gosh. But is there a pivotal moment that you can remember when you really realized you were a car guy? Yeah, I, can t- I, I can't tell you the date, but I was probably about four years old. A little backstory. Now, my dad was a, a guy from the early 50s and uh, always had a custom car and, and – uh, he flew. He wasn't a commercial pilot, but uh, even as a young kid, I used to fly with him all the time. So around our household, it was always about, there was never a National Geographic. There was always a Hot Rod magazine. And so, <laughs> cool. you know, I grew up with Hot Rod magazine. I grew up going to car shows. I, I grew up with the friends that he'd known. Um, I'm from Spokane originally, up at the Deer Park drag races. All those guys drag raced up in the 50s up there. And so we, and where the neighborhood that I lived in was a neighborhood where guys worked on cars. There were... Uh, Sprint cars and garages. There was drag cars and garages. There was dragsters and garages. So I, I was exposed to it from an early age. And I always just, I, you know, I followed him around. And that kind of led to he was in go-karting. And then we started in karting. I, I never imagined not being involved in, in with cars. I just loved it. I didn't play baseball. I didn't know any of those sports. It was always, we were always in kind of some of a racing uh, background. Very cool. Fortunate guy for sure. I'd love to crawl under the hood and ask you to share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced along the way. And and the reason I ask this question is not so much about the specific situation, although we love to hear about that because we all go through those difficult times, but it's more importantly about how you overcame that situation and what did it teach you? What did you learn from it? Well, that's a great question, Mark, because it's one of the things that kind of led me into auctioneering. You know, as a kid, I was horribly shy. Like a lot of people, you know, I used my car as sort of an extension of my personality. You know, I could work on my car. I could do those kind of things, and I could drive it around. And that was sort of the connection I had with people. They'd ask you about your car, and you'd talk to them. But socially, I was kind of a shy, introverted kid. And when I got ready to go to college, a friend of mine recommended this play that they were putting on. And I kind of had an interest in, in acting and so I, well, yeah, I'll go give it a shot. Well, I ended up getting the part. I got, I cast as one of the lead characters in this college play. And what it did for me was I knew I had to get over this, my kind of way of how I communicated with people. And being in that play really taught me, it, 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 as I mentioned earlier, it pushed me out of my comfort zone. And from then on, I, I had a level of confidence that I probably never would have gotten without being in there. And that level of confidence sort of, pushed me out to let me do other things and meet other kind of people and inevitably kind of got me into the auctioneering thing. The problem is when I got out of auctioneering school, I was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that that was really a a pivotal time in my life to try something that I hadn't done. And even though it may not have been related into the car business, it led me into where I'm in now. So I don't think if I would have done that, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. Well, wonderful couple of golden nuggets you dropped for our listeners there. One is Step outside your comfort zone. Try to do it at least once a week in some way, even if it's a little bit away. 
try something different. Try if you're a shy person, try talking to somebody. But uh, right. I think putting yourself out there in a play form, boy, that's a pretty bold move for somebody that was shy. And then again, uh, can you imagine when you were back being a kid being shy that you'd be out in front of uh, thousands of people at wow. auctions? I mean, you know, very cool. So wonderful story, and I think it's great. My son went through the same thing in school. My daughter, the same thing with dance, doing the recitals. All those things are great things for kids to build their confidence, put them out there in front of uh, a crowd to where they can realize, you know what, I can do this. Yeah, and I've been lucky enough that my son works with me a lot of my auctions. He started when he's about 14 years old. Uh, he's been a, He's been a ringman at my auctions, and I think that you know, one thing that I really helped him along was he he got to go through that process in the last two or three years. And so now he graduated from when as soon as he's graduated from high school. I mean, he is out there guy. I mean, he'll talk to anybody. He'll shake your hand, which I think is one of those things that yeah, I couldn't have bought that for him. He no. he earned it. He learned it. And it's gonna, really going to carry him a, lot, a long way in his life, I think. Oh, really- it absolutely will. I hear that. My son, this, the same thing, taking him to events. And I hear that now when he talks about being in college and so many kids in college cannot communicate properly. Right. They're they're really great with those little handheld devices and sending texts, but they can't stand in front of somebody and talk exactly. with them. So we've done our kids well and the car trade has been the reason for it. I think that's awesome. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share a story where you had kind of a, a career aha moment. I like to say it's a time when the lights came on or the headlights pop on and illuminate your way for a new idea or a new direction. Could you share the steps that you took to turn your aha moment into a success? Well, I think that in my aha moment, there was a couple pieces that that came into that. And a lot of it came from being in the right place at the right time. And I think initially it was kind of like when I went back to college and I had the opportunity to meet Mitch uh, when his, his company was just getting started. It was 1987. Uh, we just went through that first stock market crash and people were kind of searching to develop, you know, what else could I put my money in? And that's where that the first phase of this collector car market started to evolve. Before that, it was just sort of it was more, you know, hobbyist. This had turned into a big show. And uh, I think when I started doing that, that was a big aha moment that I might have got into something I really like, especially the first auction I ever went to. I'd never been to a collector car auction prior to meeting him. And I went to the first one, a small one with his, but the second one is I went to Barrett Jackson in 1988, which then was, it was the big show. And I was completely blown away that there's something as big as this, as exciting as this. And and that's when I decided this is what I want to do. I don't know how I'm going to do it. And I don't know how I'd ever be one of those guys that's up on the block, but uh, I'm going to do it. And it's interesting how it's all turned around because uh, now I, I know all those guys personally and the, and to think that I'm up there and getting to do what they do is really exciting. So that was kind of my aha moment, I think, especially Barrett Jackson, to go down there and see that event. At that time, it, now it's completely a, a different kind of program. But then it was the big show of the year in January. I was quite a quite an experience to go down there and and see cars that I'd never seen before. Living up in eastern Washington, I'd never seen some of these automobiles. You know, they're just the amount of the Ferraris and the Aston Martins and the vintage race cars and all that was it was it was really a great experience. Loved it. Yeah, they're fantastic. My daughter's never really been into cars, but the first time I took her to Car Week and took her to an auction. Oh my gosh, she was hooked. So <laughs> Yeah, and I'd have to say, you know, the second one is I got to go to Pebble Beach the first time in 2006, and that was another one of those fantastic experiences to go and and I would recommend that 
if you're a car person, you make the pilgrimage at least once to to Monterey to see that because that is another. If you're into cars, even if you have the slightest interest, you're just never going to see anything like that. And, and the level of work that people do to prepare those cars, it's unbelievable. It's yeah. just a beautiful deal. It is. It's incredible. How about proudest career moments? I would assume you've had many, but is there one in particular you could share with us that really stands out for you? Well, you know, probably my biggest career moment, it's not really related to the car business, but it is into auctioneering is um, – I got the chance to go back to New York City uh, a few years ago and do Michael J. Fox's Parkinson's Foundation at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel. Cool. Uh, another kind of one of those, like, how did you get here experiences. I was out here in Portland doing an event, and his uh, right-hand assistant was out here, and she saw me, and we had a brief conversation it was one of those I wasn't going to talk to her, but I ended up going back just to say, you know, hey, how's it going? And uh, she sort of, you know, kind of dismissed me, which is I is understandable. But uh, but I ended up getting a call from her the next month saying, would you like to come out to New York here and uh, raise money for Michael J. Fox's foundation? So that was a really exciting to get there and stand on stage with, with him and, and all his supporters. That was a very exciting time in my auctioneering career. Wow. Uh, from the car standpoint, I think... If you're a collector car auctioneer, I've got to work, you know, in kind of all the major markets. I've got to work down in Monterey. I've got to work in Scottsdale. I've got to work back in Auburn, Indiana. Those were all exciting times too to be able to kind of, you know, I've kind of figured like you did the kind of did the triangle of the collector car <laughs> events. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, that's great and wonderful experience in a, a fundraising experience. I know you guys have done a lot of that in the Portland area, but. To go back to New York and do it, and with somebody who's uh, famous that way, with Michael yeah. J. Fox, and for a really great cause to try to to help uh, tackle that terrible, terrible disease, mm-hmm. is a really a wonderful experience. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special vehicle? And if you could share a memory with us that you have with that car. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Well, my first car was the one that I probably have the most memory because I was uh, seventeen years old when I uh, seventeen when I bought it. I'd saved up all my money, worked at a grocery store, did landscaping. I'd managed to save $1,600. So this is 1977. Okay. And I bought a 1968 Chevelle 327 four-speed car. Cool. That was really exciting. I think because my whole life I was just, you know, that's when everybody's excited to get your driver's license. not like now where people, they don't really, it's not a big deal. But boy, back then, oh, yeah. get your driver's license. I had my car already picked out what I was going to buy. I got my driver's license a year later. I got to buy it. And uh, I did everything that every kid did back then is, you know, put the the uh, deep dish Krager wheels on it. Yeah. Wide tires in the back. Of course. Uh, had it a couple of years. I uh, had a beautiful metallic blue paint job put on it. It was really a great car. I had so much fun in it. And I was lucky enough that a lot of my friends were all car guys too. So we had a lot of fun just kind of hanging around. And up in Spokane, they used to do, there was a street called Riverside. Everybody used to cruise up and down. That was still existed up there. Uh And so we'd all pile into my car and we'd go cruising and go to the drag races. It was a lot of fun. I had a, it was a great experience. And now I wish when I sold it, I did probably the worst thing I could. I bought a British car. My dad said it was the biggest (laughs) mistake, but uh, that, that Chevelle was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, your first car is always, I think, the most fun. Yeah, very cool. I know I wanted to buy a British car when I was a teenager. My dad said, well, do you want a car to work on or a car you can actually drive somewhere? So That's right. I ended up with a Carmen Ghia, which was a much better choice. Yeah. 
How about seller's remorse? Is there a car you've let go over time that you really wish you had back in the garage? You know, there's probably two cars that I, I wish there was just one, but one was uh, I bought a 1973 and a half 911T. Oh, yeah. Uh, that car, I really regret selling that now, mm-hmm. especially with the 911 prices the way they are. Oh, I know, they've become insane. The next one was probably I had a 1972 one owner Volvo. 1800e oh very cool car and that was a great car i love those volvos i've had a couple of them uh, that one i probably should have kept because uh, that's another one that they weren't worth a lot of money 10 years ago but now they've really got kind of come up in value but a great usable car you know it's kind of got that italian styling to it yeah it's got that volvo reliability and you know living down here in portland you know it's a, it was a great little commuter car kind of bomb around town in yeah. Well, I think of those those two cars I probably regret the most. I wish I had them back in the garage. Maybe someday I can get them again. There you go. I know. I, I always feel a little bad bringing that up. But, uh, you know, at least... That hurt. Well, <laughs> hey, you know, at least everyone out there listening at Cars, yeah, has that experience. So at least they feel like, okay, someone else understands me now, you know, <laughs> other than my spouse that rolls her eyes and goes, why do you ever want that old junky thing back? So now we understand. We feel your pain here at Cars, yeah. How about career projects? Is there something you're working on today, right now, that really has you excited and fired up? Yeah, well, there's a couple couple things that we're evolving into. Along with my interest in collector cars, I've always loved vintage motorcycles and motorcycles in general. So we're in the stages right now of, of working on putting on a, a Northwest sort of inspired motorcycle auction maybe next May which I'm really excited about. I think there's a lot of interest. The the interest in motorcycles is really exploding, especially the old ones. Mm -hmm. A lot of the younger guys like bikes. A lot of the younger, older guys uh, like bikes. So we're excited. I'll keep keep you posted on this, but I'm hoping by May, we're going to try to do something with maybe around 150 motorcycles. Nice. Beautiful spring day down here in Portland. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to that. There's that great bike event at the Quail every year Mm -hmm. that is wonderful. And I'm starting to see more and more of that. I was at the La May Concord, Pacific Northwest Concord, just over this past weekend. And there was... uh, a lot of bikes there, which are pretty cool, old Italian bikes. I love those bikes. And I, you and I had this discussion a couple of weeks ago that bikes are somewhat affordable for collectors because, as we just mentioned, the, the rising tide of the car market has gotten so expensive that a lot of us can't afford the cars that we really would like to have. So a bike is a chance to have something cool. It's small. Yeah. And if your spouse is really nice, she'll let you park it in the house. So, you know... <laughs> Well, and that, I think that that's a great point is that's what motorcycles, just like cars, a lot of them evolved into more art pieces. And, and I, you may brought up a good point. You know, some of those early Italian motorcycles, the small single cylinder stuff, they're beautifully built and they're gorgeous. I mean, they look good in any, yeah. I think, in your living room or yeah. your office. Yeah. And you're seeing a lot of that. And I think that, as you brought up a good point, these collector cars a lot of them are really prohibitively expensive for a lot of people to buy mm-hmm. and and store and do all that other things that you have to do with a car. Whereas the motorcycle, you can buy something. Some of the early ones are fairly simple to work on. There's not a lot of painting. There's not a lot of chroming. And if you want to do a lot of the work yourself, you can still do them. And I think you can be okay uh, budgetary-wise on those car on those uh, motorcycles also. So uh, Yeah, at least hold the value or yeah. better yet uh, as, they, as the, the ride tide rises, if you will, uh, the value will stay there. So it's a place to park, excuse the pun, a little bit of money. 
Right. Um, in something that you can really enjoy. And if you like to ride bikes, even better, you can actually ride them. So Yeah, and there's a lot of vintage events around, especially here in the Pacific Northwest where you can go out and they'll take advantage. There's great, you know, yep. yeah. differences. So, so it's, uh, yeah, I think it's a, I think exciting and and I'm excited to be involved with it. And, and uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's going to be, I'm, I'm almost sure it's going to be a big success. So. Oh, I think so. it will be. In fact, even the Lomay Museum up here has a bike event uh, in the summertime as well, uh, a full concord dedicated just to uh, motorcycles, so vintage mm-hmm. motorcycles. Very cool. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Steve. I love this question. If you were a car, what kind of car would Steve be, and more importantly, why? <laughs> you know, I think you'd. I'd have to go right back. I'd say... Uh, a pre-73 911. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'd say that is because those cars are, they're classically designed. They didn't change much. They still haven't relatively. They're understated. They're reliable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know that I think they're, I just think that those are, if I, I've, I've never not liked those cars. Uh, uh, they're just, I think they're gorgeous automobiles. I've had several guests answer that question the same way. And I was interviewed by my son on Cars Yeah episode number 300 and that's how I answered that question so <laughs> we have something in in common yeah they're just kind of a steadfast car you know they're not too flashy no. they, they do what they're supposed to do uh reliable people most people like them and uh so that's you know a great way to think about yourself I think yeah. so very cool well Steve up next is the last lap but before we put the pedal to the metal let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. All right, Steve, we're back, and we're entering the last lap. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Okay, I'm ready. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? You know, I heard this is a this is kind of an auction one you hear quite a bit, but uh, you didn't pay too much, you just paid too much too soon. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that from some folks before, yeah. It's a good way to think about it, that's for sure. Yeah, just wait a little while longer and yeah. the, the market will catch up. Could you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success over the years? Well, I think one of the things that the habits I've had is kind of a stick to itness. I think if you're in, in any kind of business, it's easy to give up. And I've always kind of decided, hey, this is what I'm going to do. And I've stuck with it. Kind of a level of commitment to it. Yep. It's, it's been mine. It's, it's sometimes I think we all look at what we're doing and we want to question it. But I've always had a commitment. I've always liked it. That's been mine. A common trait for entrepreneurs, us entrepreneurs, perseverance, tenacity, stick to itiveness. I like that word. Yeah. <laughs> 
Very nice. Yeah, sticking to it. Just keep on going. Keep the pedal to the metal. Do you have a resource that you think our listeners would really enjoy? I've learned a lot listening to podcasts like what what you're doing right now. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm a big – I'd like to absorb a lot of information. And there's a lot of great – web-related stuff if you're interested in being in the car business, whether it's an auctioneer, a car salesman, a car restorer. You know, I like uh, kind of all those YouTube channels. I love watching those. That's great. <laughs> okay, great. How about a book? Is there one book in particular you think the Carjow listeners would really enjoy reading? I'm a huge fan of Brock Yates. And, uh, you know, Cannonball, it may not be the top of everyone's favorite book, but the chapter in there that I love the most is about Gurney going across Southern California in that Ferrari flat out. I think he does Brock Yates because he's a car guy. And if you're into cars, does some of the best descriptive writing. And especially Cannonball. Uh, I love that book. That's a, I've read it a couple times. It's, it's a wonderful book. Well, it's a great book. We've had uh, several other guests recommend that book. And I'll remind our listeners, you can find all these great resources Steve shared with us at CarsYad.com. There's also a great place on the Cars yeah! website, Guest Recommended Books, where you can see all the past 300-plus guest book recommendations with real quick links on where to get your hands on one of those books. So thanks for sharing that with us, Steve. All right, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, but don't worry about the cost because today I'm going to write the check, what would that one vehicle be and why? Well, Mark, I think you're you're gonna have to write a check for a GT40. Ooh, okay. Like a, like a '67, I think is what I'd like. Okay. What is it about that car that just uh, you just gotta have? You know, one. I've, I don't know how many of your listeners have actually seen one, but 40. I don't know if they, a lot of people know what the 40 stands for. But that car is only 40 inches off the ground. So yeah. if you're a normal height guy, it's about right above about your hip. And and I've had an opportunity to to sit in one and actually kind of drive one across a little bit of a field. That is an amazing car. And when I think about some of those guys, especially at Le Mans at 230 miles an hour going down the Mulsane straight in that, I just uh, I just think it just it's a great, innovative, I mean, that car was built to, to beat those Ferraris. Uh, and I love watching uh, some of the old video clips of those when they were all racing them and, and the heritage of that car. And not mine, I'd love it to be street legal. They did make some of those that were street legal. So yeah. I, I'd go one of the street legal ones. I think they're amazing. I actually like the ones with the wire wheels on them, too. Oh. The early ones had the wire wheels on them. Okay, yeah. yeah. What what color would you like yours in? Uh, I think I'd go with white. White? The white one, one. Yeah, maybe with the white and black stripe on it. I don't think I'd go with that. Black stripes. Okay, I remember the white ones with the blue stripes. But black, okay, well. I'll make sure that we get some black stripes on there for you. Steve, you've taken me on a great ride. I've really enjoyed talking with you and learning a little bit more about you and the auction business. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yow listeners. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that 67 Ford GT40? Well, as we mentioned earlier, I just think if you're listening to this podcast and you're interested in the car business, is to really pursue it. I think there's a lot of opportunities for people to do whatever you want to do. And and really, you know, life's too short not to do what you love to do. And so find a way to kind of make that work. And and uh, if you do it, you, like I said, you're gonna, it's going to make you a lot happier. You're going to enjoy what you're doing. And, and the car business, to me, is just one of the most fun industries I think you can be in. It's very exciting. It's always changing. And that would be my advice to someone. It's great advice. And for you new listeners who are new to Cars Yeah, geez, there's over 300 other inspiring entrepreneurial 
uh, automotive enthusiasts here in Cars. Yeah, you can listen to how they did it, just like Steve Dorsey's done it, is wrap that passion into your vocation. Listeners, you can find links to everything we've talked about again here today at CarsYad.com. Just put Steve in the search bar and his show notes page will pop right up. Steve, thanks for being so generous with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners today. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.